Hello, hello. Welcome back, my friend. Welcome to Leading Women in Tech. I'm your host, Tony Collis. And today I have a mesmerizing guest for you. That's the only word to describe this woman. I was honored to be invited onto her podcast. I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes for you. I was interviewed by her and we just had such a great conversation. I was like, I want my audience to get some of this magic as well. So today I'm inviting Amira Alvarez onto the show. Amira used to be a tech person. (laughs) Today, though, she's a visionary leader, an entrepreneur, and she advocates for helping women live at their highest level. She is CEO and founder of The Unstoppable Woman, but she helps women transform their businesses and their lives. And I brought her into the show because although she focuses on elevating women and owning their own companies... And although some of you are, you know, a lot of our audience is corporate executives, much of the work she does is about self-discovery, being intentional in our choices, making sure we're paid what we deserve, and really helping us redefine our limits, shatter glass ceilings, stepping to our full potential. She has done this for herself, and now she teaches this. As you'll hear from her, she is a lifelong teacher and loves to share what she's learned And just a few interactions I've ever had with her, I feel like I've grown. So I really, really want to bring this to you today. Uh, We discussed her layoffs, the lowlights in her career that actually galvanized her to be who she is today, that how it has made her who she is, but not by limiting herself. She talks about how she prefers to talk about desire instead of goals, because it is more about what we truly want inside. She talks about the soft underbelly of what we really want. I love that phrase instead of that public goal, which sometimes we limit ourselves with. I love this attitude towards life. What is your true desire? And she looks at things such as how we can shift our perspective around what we are holding ourselves up by, what's bad that's happened to us, how can we shift our perspective? And we get into a couple of key things that I really, really want to talk to her about, which is compensation, how to make sure you're being paid what you're worth, and also our subconscious mind and how it controls 95% of your thinking. So without further ado, let's get Amira onto the show. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. Welcome to the show, Amira. It's so good to finally get you on the show after having chatted a few weeks ago. I've just been desperate to have you on ever since. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. It was great having you on my show. So I am looking for forward to round two with you here on your show. Yeah. And please do listen. Go check out Amira's podcast, The Unstoppable Woman. I will make sure a link to that is in the show notes. But Amira, let's kick this off with, can you share a little bit about your career journey, highlights those all important lowlights and how you came to be the CEO you are today? Absolutely. So, you know, I had the upbringing of the good student, the top of my class, the, the go to the good school, get the good grades, 
um, be on the dean's list, that whole scenario. I had a little wild child in me as well, <laughs> but by and large, I was the good student. And at one point, uh, directly after college, where I had the dream research job and at UC San Francisco, I was antsy. I was like, I want to see the world. So I went to New York for three months. I lived in Berlin for three months. I, I, I did some of the things that I thought, okay, well, if I don't live large now, I never will kind of thing. I specifically had the thought, I, I, I want to live in New York for a little while before I get married. I don't know where that came from, but I had that. This is all leading to coming back to the Bay Area with $75 in my bank account and needing to get a job. And I ended up temping. And my second temp job was as a receptionist at a tech company during the tech boom. And that was pivotal for me because I ended up getting stock options. Thank you, Lori Allen, the HR person who like a week after I was temping was like, I want to hire you so you get stock options. I had no idea what those were at the time. You know, I was straight out of college. So that launched my career and I moved up the corporate ladder, so to speak, and started really doing a lot of great stuff in the operations world of tech and, you know, presenting to the CFO and CEO and doing my, my thing and having a great time. And then there was the dot bust, right? And uh, there were rounds and rounds and rounds of layoffs in, in tech. And I ultimately raised my hand and chose to have a severance package to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Grew up. And that launched a whole journey of running my own business and starting my own thing and doing stuff outside of the tech industry on my own. And ultimately, I'm going to skip a few few iterations here to, to shorten the story, I ended up starting a coaching company for women who really are going for more in their lives and their businesses and wanting to break free of the things that are holding them back. They know they're made for more. They're smart. They're driven. They're hardworking. Their heart's in it, but they are limiting themselves. There's some, some playing small in their lives. And I started this, this coaching company and had, you know, fits and starts and all the, the challenges of getting it going. But ultimately, in my fourth year, I went from, this is pretty much as a solo entrepreneur, I had a one VA going from 138K to making 700K a year. And that was a five times increase in my income. And I was like, okay, what did I do? Let's break this down. Let's figure out like what exactly happened to create this. And I then shifted my coaching to really be teaching women how to do the same thing that I did for whatever their goals were in their lives. And that's been the launch of the business. Those are the highlights, Tony. You want the lowlights? <laughs> well, but I, I often think the lowlights tell us so much because you said mm. that it was really interesting. You said you know, you broke it down like, and then so that you can then help other women do it. And actually it's irrespective of what business they're in. I would argue with the work I do, which I'm very much focused on women's careers rather than women entrepreneurs. Although some of the women I work with actually are like, I need to do a startup. I need to manage my own thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's a whole other arm on my business I need to create. 
but the same recipe applies, right? What is it that we need to unlock to allow us to do more? And I'm guessing that's tied into your low lights a little bit. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here. Yeah, I think they're always connected. So, so, you know, and let me first affirm, yes, it is for any, uh, type of goal that you have any, and I like to use the word desire. It's a little softer than the world goal. It's like, but it, it represents to me like the truth, the real, like the soft underbelly of what you really want that that public facing goal represents. And, you know, some of my, my clients, you know, as you said, most of them are entrepreneurial women, but you know, one of my clients was a woman uh, I'm thinking of her right now. Her name's Courtney and she's still in my world. Uh, she started with me and she had, you know, seven direct reports and she finished her time in corporate having like five times her income. She, she got to the high six figures in, in what she was doing and she had 400 direct reports and her comp package was even larger than that. So like, it works for everyone to just affirm that what you're doing works for everyone. Okay. So what were, what are some of the, the things that I learned from the, my low lights? So here's, I'm, I'm a teacher at heart. So I'm going to teach on this concept, which is that everything is created equal and opposite. Okay. So there's something called the law of polarity. So polarity is two sides, like a magnet, the, the positive and negative side to something and everything. And everyone has this experience when you step back and look at it, that every experience in your life, you can either look at it as the best thing that ever happened to you or the worst thing that ever happened to you. And both things coexist at the same time. So some of the worst things that ever happened to me were some of the best things that ever happened to me as well. So it depends on, you know, what perspective you're going to take. And I choose continuously to always take that this is for me, not against me perspective. So for instance, when I was first growing my business and didn't have a lot of experience and didn't have a lot of money, I invested in someone to help me do some marketing and paid this person $30,000, which to me at the time was a very, 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 can we capitalize the V, very large amount of money. It was like, okay, I'm going all in on this. This is, this is uh, crazy pants, but I'm doing it. And th- it didn't pan out. It was not good. And I could have either looked at that as the worst thing that had ever happened to me and held me back. And I would have done spiraled down and done worse and worse and worse in my business. Or what I did was I looked at it as soon as I could. There's a moment of grief there, but as soon as I could as the best thing that ever happened to me, because, and here's the rub, I knew when I was signing that contract, not to sign that contract. I had the spidey senses that said, he's not speaking to me as an equal. He's trying Mm. to dismiss my questions about the contract. He's uh, fear mongering. This does not feel right to me. And yet I said yes, because he came referred by someone I admired. Turned out she had never used him and it was a bad referral. So I, I now know though, and I've never made that mistake again, what that signal inside of me 
that I can trust is that the off course, off course, wrong decision. Don't go here. Go in, go in a different direction. Say no. And that has saved me millions of dollars. So I'm incredibly grateful for it. I love that listening to your spidey sense and actually how you've turned a bad situation into what I would refer to as a lesson learned. I always, I always think the faster we fail, the quicker we learn. And I really wish we all embraced this. Everything is created equal. And I, I think as life is 50-50. It kind of drives me nuts when you hear these people going, I'm here to chase happiness. I want to be happy all the time. I don't personally believe you can be happy all the time. I think we're only happy because we also experience unhappiness. I think happiness is a relative thing. And so if you're always chasing happiness, you're never going to be happy. And so we need to acknowledge us both. But there's a, it's the times where things aren't going well that is where we create, where we, you know, you learn to listen to that spidey sense. You learn to trust. You learn something really, really valuable. And that just serves us so much in our careers and everything else we do, right? Absolutely. And, and it also shows you what you really, really desire right? If you, if in those moments of low lights or contrast or challenges or the not so good, the, the sort of human experience, if you will, of, of challenges, if you in that moment can lean in and, and ask yourself, what is this showing me that I actually desire? What is this showing me that I actually want? And, and step out of the resistance to the moment that is actually keeping you stuck and just shift your perspective to, mm. okay, this, this is actually showing me what I do want. So if we use uh, a contractor as an example, the story I just shared, you know, your client, your, your listeners would, will have contractors that work for them. They'll have employees, team, staff that work with them, colleagues that work with them that that aren't living up to what you desire in this mm -hmm. moment. Let's just face it. There's someone at all times letting you down. But I turn that around for myself and I say, okay, well, this is not what I want. What do I, what do I want? And then it's my responsible responsibility, law of personal responsibility, mm -hmm. my responsibility to lean in to creating that and if we if we take personal responsibility for our outcomes, even when we want to go, they're dropping the ball, it's their fault, blah, 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 mm. blah, they're letting me down, right? If you can shift that to, I actually want full support in my life. I actually want someone who works at this level. I actually want people I can trust. I, I actually want loyalty. Then you start gravitating to people like that. You actually start magnetizing them in your life, but it requires that you start looking like it's you putting a demand on yourself. I'm no longer going to allow for this person on my team who's not actually working at the level I need them to work at. But instead of me going down to their level by complaining about it, right? I'm going to come, I'm going to raise my standard and just insist by who I'm being that they come up to my level or go away. So it makes mm -hmm. space for someone new that's better. And this is, this is the way I learned how to function in this world. So one of the key bits that like, if, 
takeaways from that year was 100% personal responsibility, raising my standards in all areas of my life and my business and, and holding to them without making other people wrong, but just saying, this is, this is the new standard. This is how we're yeah. doing things. Yeah. I love that. I, I do think making it our responsibility. I love that you're saying the law of personal responsibility it is our responsibility. That just shifts that narrative so that we can then raise the standard. Whereas I think when we're so tuned into this situation is terrible, there, this is letting me down. It's all external to us. We then feel terrible about raising the standards. We know we need to, but we don't know how to do that. So I, I love that like shift in our mindset. So it is your responsibility. I think it's something I talk about a lot on the podcast. We need to internalize this. We need to accept that it's ours. Don't shy away from it because when you do that, amazing things happen. <laughs> Truly amazing things. Um, I want to shift gears and talk about our subconscious mind. This is what uh, you briefly touched on when we were chatting for your podcast. Um, I would love for you to introduce this topic and how it impacts our work as leaders in the workforce. 100%. This is, this was so pivotal to me when I finally got this, when I understood the power of this, it changed everything for me. Now, I then had to lean in and live and be and, and walk the talk, not just have mm -hmm. it as intellectual understanding. And that lived experience is a really critical part to it. So let me explain how this works. We have a, a, a subconscious and a conscious mind. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. breaking this down to the very, very basics for simplicity and, and, and time. Mm -hmm. Our subconscious mind controls 95% of our thinking. We think we're being conscious, logical, very uh, rational, but the logic rational side of us, that conscious mind is only 5% of our thinking power. Now our subconscious is 95% of that. And our subconscious was programmed, if you will, under the age of 12, usually under the age of nine. Mm -hmm. And under the age of nine, our conscious mind wasn't fully formed. And I give it a range because from seven to 12, our conscious mind is starting to come into play and, and mm. become formed. It's not an overnight thing. It doesn't, you yeah. don't flip a switch. Okay. But if you imagine from zero to 12, you're more or less taking in everything from your outside world and, and taking it as the truth because you're your conscious mind is not in play yet. And your conscious mind has the ability to reject. It has the ability to say yes to things and to say no to things. But your subconscious can only say yes, can only receive. Mm -hmm. So because your conscious mind hasn't clicked into gear yet fully, can't say, no, I don't believe that. No, I don't agree with that. No, I don't want that. So when, let's say, we experience uh, a version of stress in this world. Our parents say to us, hey, little Susie, time to get ready for school. And we're playing with our toys. And we're like, uh-uh, no, I'm just going to play with my toys. You don't even hear. You're like totally wrapped in your imagination. Mm -hmm. And then your mom comes back and says, Susie, come on, let's go. We're going to be late for school. And you, you kind of look up, but you keep playing because you're just, you're six. You're having fun, right? And then your mom comes back and stressed because she wants you to be a good 
citizen of this society. She wants you to get educated. She wants to get there on time. She doesn't want to look bad for everyone else, right? All that stuff. She raises her voice and says, Susie, you're not listening to me. Come on, let's go. Put your toys away. Why don't you ever listen to me? And goes off, right? Mm -hmm. Little Susie is like, holy smokes, what just happened? The love just got cut off, okay? Yeah, yeah. So in that moment, we can't make our mother wrong because she's the one where all safety, security, sustenance comes from. We know instinctually that our safety is dependent on our mothers and fathers, the people who raised us, could be your grandparents, but the people who raised us. And if the love is flowing, we know that the safety is there. If the love is not flowing, we become scared that the safety's not there. Let me just interrupt this fascinating interview for a moment. I have a quick favor to ask you, if you're enjoying this podcast, please hit subscribe. That's the number one thing you can do to really help us reach more people. The algorithms work by more subscriptions, puts us in front of more people. So if you can do that, that would really, really help us out. If you want to do a second thing for us, I'd be entirely grateful. Please share this with another woman in tech you think would benefit from this conversation. Thank you. And in that moment, we make meaning that Mm. I must be wrong. She must be right. Okay. Now let's bring this to present day. Why does this matter? Well, we make meaning. This is just one of many, many examples of how we could make meaning. But we, in this case, we make meaning saying, uh, I don't have, I, I don't have ownership or authority over my time. I, I can't do what I want. There isn't enough time for what I want. I always have to do what other people say, right? We, we make these, these unconscious, subconscious meanings. And then you get to being the, the head of IT or whatever you're doing, right? And you think that you can't stop work mm. on Friday at five because everyone needs you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you have an identity that's mapped to a belief structure that says, this is who I am and this is how I create safety for myself. So changing that is hugely difficult. We're up against an identity and something that we have up until now thought is giving us safety. Yeah. So we say, you know, Tony comes around and says, okay, well, you need, stronger boundaries and like let go of work at five and like be with your kids and all this and everything inside of you is saying no i can't (laughs) because of this programming Mm -hmm. even though consciously you're like oh yeah that's a really good idea i get it oh i i just god i adore this topic so much adore is maybe the wrong word but it is so important you you know there you said tony is telling you and it makes so much sense I was actually just having this conversation yesterday and we've got a special coaching session on boundaries today because so many of the women I work with struggle with this. And I'll let you all into a little secret. Yesterday while I was teaching on this, today we've got coaching, but I was teaching on boundaries and deep work. And I had this moment, I'm like, wow, my boundaries have slipped this summer. It's been a lot of good reasons for that. I teach this stuff and yet it has, it's come away because the conditioning is so deep. It's so intense. 
And just for the listeners, just so you know, it's the same thing, this conditioning that we get, same thing that causes stereotypes. If you've listened to this show for long enough, you know that as women, we are very likely to be biased against women. And that basically stays with us for our entire lives. It's the exact same stuff. So this is not something you can just miraculously get rid of. You can just allow yourself to diminish it over time and, and control it. Would you agree with that, Mira? Is this something we should be getting rid of or not? You know, my experience with it is that when we are conscious of how we're behaving in an, if we're conscious of the subconscious program, right? If, mm-hmm. we're, if we see ourselves behaving according to the subconscious program, then we can make a conscious choice to change. Mm-hmm. And what creates a different way of being for yourself is to keep leaning in to living that new experience. So making that conscious choice in face of the old programming again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And then we wake up and we're like, oh, that's not who I am anymore. Okay. So, so it doesn't happen overnight. And there is like you mentioned, oh, look, my boundaries have slipped, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There is you know, old patterning, patterning is still there. It doesn't go away a hundred percent and it can sneak in even when you've been at it for a long time. But I think you can really support the new mm. uh, way of being and, and, and lock it in for the long term. Yeah. I, I, I could dig into this one all day because it's a p- topic that's very dear to my heart, but I have one other thing I really want to ask you about because of your experience which is about the law of compensation. So can you explain what that is? Because I think so many of the women listening to the show, they might not know it, but so many of the women I work with are heavily undercompensated. So what is law of compensation and what does it mean to us, particularly when we're moving into a new role? Yeah, I love this law. So the law of compensation says you'll be compensated according to the need for what you do, your ability to do it, and the difficulty in replacing you. So let's Mm -hmm. break this down the need for what you do. Is it a big problem or a small problem? Okay. So Q-tips solve a very small problem. Okay. (laughs) But a lot of people need them. Okay. Mm -hmm. In a, a, outside of tech, let's use another example, brain surgery, brain surgery. That's a big problem, right? Mm -hmm. For one person, that's a big problem. That, that brain surgeon is going to get compensated at a higher amount doesn't need to sell as many Q-tips, right? Doesn't need to sell as many surgeries, right? Does this, does this make sense? Yeah. Big yes. problem, bigger compensation. Okay. So look at in, in, in your roles in the tech world, look at what is the problem that you're actually solving? And in what I think most women do is they take for granted that this is like anyone could solve this. Yeah. Okay. Don't we all do okay. that? Oh, yeah. And, and, and we dismiss because we're good at something that it's not a big problem. So you have to look, you have to ask a better question and you have to look and say, what would happen to the company, the department, my boss, whomever you're, you're, you're in front of, mm-hmm. if this problem doesn't get solved? Okay. And if you can link it to the bottom line, meaning the cash flow of the company, customer happiness, customer sales, all of that, you will be in a better place to negotiate for your own salary because you will have owned that it's a big problem that you solve. Okay. So that's problem you solve. Your ability to do your work. 
okay, is the second piece. How long have you been doing it? Are you really good at it? Is it your genius? Are you in the right role? Like you're, you're really good at what you do. And I am always learning and growing because of that second piece. I'm always mm-hmm. going to be upping my skill set. Okay. So that's a really important piece. Okay. And then the difficulty in replacing you, the third, the third piece, most, I sort of made mention of this. Most women say, oh, anyone could do this. It's not that hard because mm-hmm. we don't realize that other people don't have the skill set, whatever it is that you do. But there's an, an, an additional piece to this, which is this idea of the impression of increase. Okay. And most people don't own their uniqueness in this world. They, they don't walk through the world saying, I have something that you want. That's the impression of increase. I have something special, unique mm-hmm. that will help you have more in this world. And they don't walk through the world that way because most women have been taught to make themselves invisible and small because they don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Okay? You know, even, even those of us who are outwardly confident, there's a, there's a way in which inside we're still kind of making ourselves small and, and diminishing ourselves. And you have to own your uniqueness, the difficulty in replacing you, because that makes you more valuable. Okay. If, yeah. if they can't replace you, then they're going to pay you more. Period. Yeah. Full stop. That uniqueness piece, I uh, speak to myself. At the end of every episode, I talk about our uniqueness and for a really good reason, because it's our uniqueness that is the thing that sets us apart. And, and you're so right. Like so many of us don't understand that because we find something easy doesn't mean the rest of the human race does. I remember when I first realized that I was good at coaching, I did not understand why other people couldn't coach. You know, I started coaching as a leader as part of my leadership toolkit. And I was looking around and going, I don't understand why everybody else doesn't do this. It's not rocket science. So much easier than what I used to do technically as a programmer. (laughs) Like so much easier. And yet I train coaches today and it doesn't come easily to so many people. It is utterly fascinating to me. I do, we do need to wrap this one up. So let's move to the quick fire round. My favorite, get to ask my favorite questions. (laughs) So you ready for this? Okay. My favorite question ever. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? I was told to keep my pricing low and in a non-competitive range until I had more clients than I could keep, than I could, you know, manage. And that was not good advice. I didn't listen to it, which I was very proud of myself for because even at the time when I wasn't charging nearly enough, I, if I had set my bar lower, I would never have reached where I wanted to go. It would have just mm. taken me so much longer. This was, this was value pricing based on fear versus based on the, the truth of what I did, the, the actual mm. value that I, I produced and shared and, and, and gave. It uh, breaks my heart because I received that kind of advice as well. I've also received it as a leader um, in my career. Like, oh, don't don't overprice yourself in the market. Don't ask for too much. Ask for what you need, no more. And I'm like, oh my God, that makes me so angry. I hear this from other women now. They've been told this. It makes me so angry. So ladies, if you're listening to this, own your value. 
You've not listened to anything else. Earn your value. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So this one's a little tricky. So it, it was lean in to the resistance. Okay. Lean into the fear. Now it's tricky because sometimes fear is saying go the other direction, right? There's actually mm-hmm. physical fear or someone's not trustworthy or it, it's just the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, because of that subconscious programming, that conditioning, mm-hmm. we are conditioned going to that value thing and in and owning your value. We're conditioned not to ask for what we want, for instance. Yeah. So if if it's uh, scary to go into a job interview and um, get to the negotiation phase and ask for what you want. That's a place to lean in, Mm. not lean away. And so much of our good that we get to receive in this world, whether it's compensation or love or support or beauty or whatever, is on the other side of the thing that you're afraid of. And so it's nuanced because we don't want to always feel stressed and under pressure Uh, That's not healthy, but there are places where we will never grow if we don't lean in. So lean in to move towards the resistance versus away from it. Yeah, I think it's all about figuring out what is that fear there? Like, what is the resistance? Is it telling you something useful or is it irrational? Then you need to understand it. Like, I love that. Like, lean into that resistance. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to steal that phrase. Definitely. (laughs) What is the last book you read and would you recommend it? So I'm going to, this isn't the very last book that I read, but it's the one that I want to share with mm-hmm. everyone. So it's called The Masculine in Relationship by G.S. Youngblood. So much of the work that I do with women is a- around like owning that compensation, owning that next level of income, all of that sort of stuff. But it's also about all their desires in their lives. And oftentimes when we are ambitious and driven at work, we come home and we don't know how to shut off mm. the, the, that side of us that creates structure and discipline and focus. That's the masculine essence that we have. And our feminine essence wants to flow and be in the creative ideas and the the percolation and the regeneration of things. And we don't know how to shift gears. Now, we're not one or the other at work and at home, but we tend to lean towards our masculine essence at work. And yet we want these beautiful relationships. We want to lit up love life. We want to live yeah. sex life. We want intimacy and depth in conversation and feeling seen and heard and adored and quite frankly, supported, not being the one who's always doing everything and being the, the uber competent one all mm. the time. And yet we're so good at it that we bring it home with us. So anyways, yeah. a lot of what I do with my, my clients is helping them own that breath of who they are and not be limited. And this book, although written for men, if you're a woman and you read it, it will be like, oh my God, this explains everything. (laughs) And and, uh, so it has nothing to do with growing your career per se, but it has everything to do with growing your your whole life and how to integrate the you who's who's showing up at work and the you who's 
you know, coming home at night or wanting to create a relationship. Mm-hmm. For me, for many, many years, I was great at building my business, but I wasn't great at relationship. And and now, like, that's part of my the exquisite life that I'm creating and oh. uh, working with women to do as well. I love that. I love that so much. I am totally reading that book. It might be yes, definitely. Oh, I, Friend, I, don't I, want. <laughs> I, I'm wondering if my husband will still love me or not. What is your favorite mindset tip for listeners of the show? That desire is causative. Desire is the thing that motivates us, is what draws us forward, that gives us the the energy to grow and expand and become more. And so often we're sh- we're told to just, you know. Shouldn't you be comfortable? Shouldn't you be content with what you have? Shouldn't be grateful for what you have as a way of saying, don't want more. And yet desire is neuroscience, right? This is dopamine. Okay. Right. This is, this is what gets, if we didn't have dopamine, we wouldn't get out of bed to go to the bathroom or get a glass of water or anything. We would just like waste away. (laughs) We like desire is causative. And so don't push your desires away. See what they are actually calling forward in you. And for most women, it's, it's quite suppressed. And I know for me, I had to like start with, okay, what do I want right now? And it was all like physical stuff like, oh, I really have to go to the bathroom or, oh, I really want a glass of water. Right. And I was so like driven and putting everyone else first and making sure everything else was taken care of that I had lost connection with my desires, the my truth. And when I stepped into that, oh my gosh, everything opens up. So oftentimes it shows up as a suppression or it shows up as I just don't want this, like all the things you don't want, but flip that around and let's start building what you do want because it's all there for you. I love that so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I get, I could talk, I say this often on the podcast. I always like struggle to keep these conversations under half an hour. We totally haven't today. I could genuinely continue this all day. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Is there a final thought you would like to leave the audience with? And also tell us how we can find out more about you, stay in touch with you, all those kinds of good things. Yeah. I think my, my final thought is you deserve an exquisite life. You deserve the most lit up, beautiful, gorgeous, open-hearted, loving life possible. And I know that sounds like, oh my God, I'm like stuck in this like chaos at work or whatever is going on in, in, in your, your business world, your career, your life. Maybe it's good, right? But you deserve that which you desire, that, that, thing that you wanted as a child that was so strong that you've said, oh no, you can't have that because it's not responsible or that's not the way the world works. Or shouldn't I just compromise and, you know, be responsible and accept what, what I have and, and, and put my needs to the side. And what I really want to say is that when you claim it, and live it, live into that experience, you will not only have your most exquisite life, but everyone around you will be uplifted as well. So that's the message. In terms of finding me, Tony, um, there's several places. One, as you mentioned before, is uh, we have podcasts. I do a lot of teaching. I do a lot of interviews. The content, I think, is, is a great match for your listenership. And uh, the podcast is called The Unstoppable Woman. We're on all the platforms. We also have an event coming up next year called The Exquisite 
life plan event where I'm going to be taking people through the methodology for creating an exquisite life and how to plan that out. So it's a lot of leaning into true desires, but also a lot of the structure for how to create that. And if people are interested in getting on the wait list for that, they can go to theunstoppablewoman.com slash ELP for exquisite life plan. So ELP, theunstoppablewoman.com slash ELP. Perfect. So those are the best way. And then of course we're on social media and mm-hmm. all all the channels. So just look me up, friend me, and uh, we'll have a good time there. Well, make sure that all those links are in the show notes. So if you're listening and you would like to get on the wait list for that event, um, go check out the show notes and the link will be right there for you. But listeners, I hope you found this as powerful as I have. I think Amira has so much to share with us. If you have any questions, please do like drop them in the comments below these episodes on YouTube. Send me a DM on LinkedIn. I would love to continue this conversation. There is so much more depth to unlocking our full potential that is related to what Amira has been talking about today. But as always, leaders, remember, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.